everyone. I just got done recording my conversation with Jennifer and you are going to love it. She talks all about the sex trafficking situation in Houston, Texas, and it is fascinating. She has great stories in the brothels about recruitment, about the Chinese culture, and we talk about all kinds of things related to the trafficking situation there. And you're going to learn a lot and you're going to be inspired. So uh, let's get to it. So welcome, welcome everyone to another edition of The Doctor Is In, and I am so happy today to have Jennifer. Uh, Jennifer lives in Houston. She's a physician assistant, and we met way back in our China days. Well, that was, what, more than 10 years ago, I'm sure. Um, 10, 12, yeah, more. Um, Not quite 20, uh, but yeah, somewhere between 10 and 15 years ago, we started meeting at uh, conferences in China and then uh, medical conferences at international conferences. And so, yeah, it's a pleasure. And Jennifer is doing some really cool work in Houston, Texas. And we're I'm thrilled to uh, learn a lot more about what she is doing down there. And so why don't, um, okay, so I'm just going to let you introduce yourself uh, to um, our audience. All Who right, are you, Catherine, Jennifer? Thank you for inviting me today. I'm really excited to be with you as well and your participants. And so we haven't lived in Houston since 1987, even though I'm a native Houstonian. And moving back uh, in 2014, Houston was a completely different city. And so what one of the um, unique things that we got to do in that absence of 25 plus years was live 15 in China. And we were language students, still are, because you know you'll never master that language. But anyway, coming back to Houston in 2014, um, all the signs are in Chinese in one part of town. Like there's this huge influx of Chinese. And so it's been really fascinating. I um, never anticipated having that. So it's been good to be back. Aging parents brought us back to Houston. And so that's, that's why I'm here. Great. And so what are you doing there in Houston? I mean, what are you doing now? Because I, I think you've it's gone yeah. through a couple of iterations. And, and so what's what's your job work life there? All right. Thank you. Uh, so basically coming back from China to Houston and having Mandarin, uh, I started learning about the trafficking situation in Houston. And there's something like over 300 brothels, Asian brothels in Houston. And when I started learning about that, I started getting educated more about the Houston situation. And fortunately, I had heard your lectures and Gloria over the years about human trafficking, read books, and seen Benjamin Nolo's Nefarious and his other films. And so was, you know, had that on my heart already. I just didn't know that that was going to be something I'd be involved in here. Uh, but so I um, started volunteering with an organization and they only had one person going into the Asian brothels. Everybody else was going on outreach to the cantinas and to the streets. And um, so I thought, well, you don't really need one white lady that speaks Chinese, do you? But it's, by default, I've been the white lady that speaks Chinese. And that's what my friends refer, <laughs> refer to me as. So anyway, so by default, I started going into the Asian brothels and just being educated about that. And we'll talk some more about that. Um, I've primarily worked in family practice in underserved and underinsured with underinsured patients in a federally qualified health clinic. 
And so I um, have done a lot of education of my young patients because there's so much um, trafficking going on, pimping going on in Houston. And when I have all these young girls coming in for repeated STD checks or STIs, you know, having the opportunity just to talk with them about what's happening and then finding out, you know, their boyfriend's in jail or this or that. And so just very high risk patients. And then about six months ago, I uh, started with a different clinic and it is a higher population of LGBTQ and a lot of transgenders. And so I've had an opportunity to, to bring that training with me and really have a, a high, um, level of high level of suspicion of or high index of suspicion however you say it so just recognizing patients and and just sitting back and saying hey tell me what's going on and and just opening the you know opening the room up to whatever they want to tell me and I mean I had a patient not long ago she just broke down crying I mean the room was filled with the smell of alcohol at 10 30 mm -hmm. in the morning and she was like textbook, I walked in, it's a freezing cold morning in Houston. She's got on a halter top. She's got on, you know, just this little thin overshirt and um, leggings. Hmm. Room reeked of al alcohol. And I just sat down on my stool and said, hey, you know, tell me what's going on. Mm -hmm. And I mean, she just broke down crying. And I think it's a universal theme of how tired yeah. women always are. Uh, not that there aren't men as victims as yeah. well, but I haven't yeah. encountered them as much. They're tired. They want to escape the life they're in, the life. Mm. And this young woman, she was 20. She was drinking a bottle of vodka a day just to get through the day. And uh, she'd already been in. She'd been coming to the clinic probably like six years wow. and starting at 16, treated for syphilis and some pretty heavy duty stuff. And someone had even flagged her charge as high risk. But I don't know if anybody ever reached out to her or, you know, offered her like a solution so I've, you know, had a lot of opportunities to educate and also educate my coworkers. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, patients just, okay, so a high risk. So the chart is flagged, but I mean, and yeah. then the doctor or the nurse or the physician assistant or someone's got to cross that bridge and reach out right. to the patient. And, uh, yeah. Wow. That's. Yeah, that's, that's pretty heavy stuff. And then, but I mean, but how, what an amazing opportunity that you've got this training, you've got the history in China, if you've got the language and you are just right there in, in the middle of it. Wow. That's yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel, feel like that also I have eyes to see them. Exactly. You know, when you have trained eyes as a healthcare provider, you see the things other people don't see. And so I have a lot of opportunities just to open the open the questions. Um, I see a lot of transgender patients and I know that they're very high risk uh, for trafficking. And uh, there's a small corner in Houston where it's just transgenders, maybe five or six transgender people. And so, you know, there's just, Houston is really a unique place in that there are so many NGOs mm -hmm. focusing on, you know, all aspects of trafficking here that on the outreach side, on the rescue side, on the aftercare side, but it's very siloed mm -hmm. and hard to imagine to even say, but it feels like they're almost like a little clickish. Like mm -hmm. you want to get in and work with this group. And no matter how I attended a meeting for three years on healthcare professionals against human trafficking and 
never was on the inside circle. And I mean, wow. it was a small meeting, maybe 15 people. <laughs> so and it's, presumably they were looking for volunteers or looking for people I to step up. a million times yeah. even. They were putting yeah. together, you know, a dog and pony show to go out and train people. And I'm like, I'd be happy to do that. Here yeah. I am a year later, never contacted. So it's really strange. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, you, you see that unfortunately around the world, it's, it's siloed work. It's, it's, uh, there's a zero sum game. There's a zero sum of the pie that, yeah. you know, for funding and there's, it's more like a competition and a click exactly. rather yeah. than, you know, keeping the objective, the people who you're supposedly trying to help. And, uh, yeah, that's sad. Okay, so I want to, before we kind of go on, we'll, we might jump back and forth there because you just, you just unloaded a lot of stuff to talk about. So when you, first you said there's 300 brothels. And so what, tell me, is, is, is prostitution legal in, in Houston or yeah, what? Yeah, that's a question. So supposedly it's illegal and they're in strip centers. I mean, there's one five minutes from my house. They're everywhere and they're not hidden. And there's um, even a system of rating them on Yelp. So you put in the name of the brothel and they rate the women according to their services. And it's just mind boggling. Um, so the outreach that we do is we have different routes and different people will volunteer to take teams. Now, of course that was suspended with COVID, but in general, we take different routes and we go to different places. And so let's say um, today I'm in ACE, a one spa and it gets closed down and moves you know block over and so now it's b1 spa but on the door underneath it will be a one spa just to make sure that you know mm. you're in the right place okay and so it's it's mind-boggling um i think what got me the most brokenhearted when i first started going into these um, brothels about five years ago was we were going uh, upstairs in an apartment complex on the second floor and I just opened the door and walked in and it was just set up like an Asian apartment. It was, it was like walking through the wardrobe into Narnia, except it was walking into China and it's, you know, just set up like a Chinese apartment. And I looked to the left and there's an ATM machine. I'm like. In the an flat. In, in an apartment wow. on the second floor. Wow. And then next to that, you know, are all these security cameras and, um, you know, there's a little table where there's this man and lady, both Chinese, you know, talking to each other. And so they didn't know I spoke Chinese. And, uh -huh. um, right. Talking, I love that. Know, yeah. It's all all cash basis. And, you know, they're talking about their books and all that kind of stuff, ignoring me kind of, even though it's like, I'm in your apartment. <laughs> and, and a woman comes around the corner, you know, kind of scantily clad. And then she goes back and I'm like, unbelievable. Um, so once I saw that ATM machine, I just, mm. it just broke me. It's yeah. like, I can never get that image out of my mind. And that's how they're set up here. So the typical Asian brothel, you walk in, there's like a little lobby, small with maybe, a, you know, one or two lazy boy chairs, an ATM machine. And then there's always a second door. Mm -hmm. And the second door is usually a screen door but it's locked i mean it's screen and with metal and you know i just yell back there bong boo bong okay <laughs> anybody home uh -huh. and 
you know, if they're not busy, they'll come out and talk. And I try to take um, Asian snacks and just reach out to the women, where are you from? And just, you know, really make friendships with them as much as you can. Uh, it, the average age of an Asian woman in Houston is 42. Mm -hmm. uh, most all have families back in China. And of course you can imagine how mortified they are. Uh, one night I went in one of the brothels and there was a woman that had been there like three days. She couldn't even look at me in the eyes. She was so humiliated and just crying the whole time. And of course, you know, Asia is a shame-based culture and to um, just see her so broken down. And about a month later when I went back, uh, she wasn't there. And so I said, well, what happened? And they said, well, she couldn't, wouldn't quit crying. So they sent her somewhere else. And I'm like, well, where did they send her? Yeah, did they right. actually send her, or, you know? Yeah, right. Uh, my understanding is that the average lifespan of a woman in trafficking and prostitution in Houston is about seven years because yeah. it's brutally violent. Yeah. And uh, they are constantly, you know, moving them from place to place, city to city, so they don't get attached to anything or anyone. Yeah. So it's just been really wow. heartbreaking, but at the same time, to be a woman. Um, and sometimes bringing some men with me that don't want anything to just reach out and, yep. you know, give them a hug. I mean, they're so receptive to me. And mm -hmm. just, I think that just like you can imagine, yep. you're single. You want that physical exactly. touch of someone that doesn't want to take something from you. Yes, and, yes. You want to be a person. The, you want to be seen as a human, not as a commodity, knows. not as a product. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. So tell me. Okay, so many questions. I hope I can remember them all. Um, how are these? Are these brothels? Are, is it a spa? Is it massage? Uh, yes. What's the front of it? I mean, is there a Almost typical front? Massage. Okay, okay. So the, it'll be like Asian massage or something like that. Now, are the women mixed when you go in? Is it pretty much one place is all Chinese and one place is all like Vietnamese and one place is Thai, or are they kind of? mixed up as far as um the asia ethnicities probably all chinese? Are chinese okay i've only been to one that had a korean mama son and i think her girls were chinese they were not korean i mean i almost have never met a korean woman in an asian brothel i've almost never met a thai woman in an asian brothel so primarily it's okay. chinese okay i think that the Vietnamese have been in Houston so long that if they have brothels that are Vietnamese, I don't know. I haven't seen them. Um, the Vietnamese women primarily work in nail salons. Yeah. And I haven't, since I don't speak that language, cracked that code to yeah. learn. Is there, you know, trafficking well, going on? Probably, but. Well, I mean, it sounds like yeah. you've got your hands full with just the, the Chinese situation. Yeah. And so Absolutely. are they, do you, do you think they're coming in with, by snakeheads? I mean, are they have a situation where there's recruiters trying to get these women saying, hey, you need money, we've got some job promises for you? Are they being recruited that way, like, you know, the Chinese snakeheads? Or are they sort of immigrating? Or is it the initiation, the immigration initiated from the women, you know, saying, okay, I'm gonna go, and then they wind up in a dodgy situation or is it mixed? Do you have any idea about that? That's a good question. I think 
if I were a 42 year old Chinese woman, I would not wake up one day and think I'm going to go to America where I don't speak the language and start a new life. You know, I'm going to make more money than I can make in China with no skill. Yeah. So I think that the primary way that they're coming to the States is through a recruiter that promises them a good job in a hotel or a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And then they get here and they're sold and there you yeah. go. Yeah. With yeah. And so hope of ever getting out. Yeah. And so the guess is that they really are traffic trafficked. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. But I mean, as yeah. uh, no, I mean, just staying on the trafficking, but you know, it sounds like, you know, there could be a lot more on the investigation, sort of the, the, um, the police side of things to kind of get through that? Or have there been some raids or busts or, I mean, not, I mean, people who watch this regularly know that that's not the way to solve the problem, but you know, you do, you know, it sounds like there's something that could be really, there's some low hanging fruit there um, right. to be done about this. Yeah. So Houston has a big vice squad specifically trained on human trafficking and they do raids in some of these brothels and Interestingly, we, uh, a group of volunteers and myself went into a brothel one night and we thought we heard children's voices on the other side of the door and we called the national hotline and reported it. Well, very interestingly, about two months later, it was closed down and within six months, the police actually were using it as a sting operation in that same location. And I have probably a year or two later, I had the opportunity to meet one of the vice policemen that had been on that raid specifically and told me that there weren't children. So I was thankful to, you know, actually have the whole loop closed. Um, but there were shackles and there were, you know, wow. places where they were actually physically being held. And you don't think about that happening here because they you know psychologically break them down so much but in that particular location they found shackles and that just really broke my heart too wow wow yeah yeah so tell me when you're going into one of these brothels how how is it how are you received i mean you you explained the one time you were just kind of standing there and there's an atm and they're kind of ignoring you um but yeah, I mean, are you, are you generally, are you, do you have to make, you know, you, do you have to talk with the mama-san or the, the boss, um, you know, for those people, or are you getting access to the women or do you have to kind of schmooze with the, the boss first? Um, how does that work? Yeah, that's a great question. So the majority of the lobbies are unmanned because they have so many security cameras everywhere. Somebody at some location is monitoring who's coming and going. But what I do is I just yell back in Chinese to see, you know, is anybody there? Are you busy? And so hearing someone speak their language that's a female kind of is a draw for them. And they come out and I just tell them, hey, I'm just here. You know, I'm a church lady coming to say hi. And you know, I, I wanted to give you some small gifts and I always have something small. And, and it's just like, if they're not busy, they will come out or they'll mm -hmm. tell me, I'm sorry, I'm busy, come back another time. And so I almost always get to interact with women. And I've actually had some ask me to come in and to, you know, come back. Uh, one Chinese New Year, particularly, I had um, a, arranged a lot of gifts. And so we went into this one and there was just one woman most of them have maybe two or three women mm -hmm. unmanned in front. 
And so she said, oh, come back with me. And she took me because she wanted to give me something for Chinese New Year. And so she took me into her room, which was, you know, a teeny tiny room with just a little twin bed. And I noticed that there was a computer set up right next to it. And um, she dug under her bed and, you know, pulled out some little purse or something. And I was just like, oh, no, no, I can't take that. You know, I said no three times. And, you know, eventually she was okay with me not taking it. Yeah. Which is rare. But right. yeah. I mean, to be taken into someone's room was so intimate. Wow. And, yeah. But it also led me to see that when they don't have customers, they're probably doing cyber sex and yeah. that they're busy no matter what. Mm. And um, that was a side I hadn't really thought about that much, but there's a, that's the hardest part to catch or to find is women that are you know locked in these small rooms yeah. performing sex via yeah. webcam. So but, when you've you been know, able to go back, you, do, you get the feeling that that's where they're living too, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You see the laundry hanging in the restroom right. or, you know, the food kind of, if you look back, there's a kitchen and, um, absolutely. Yeah. So the few that I've been invited into a hundred percent, they live there. Yeah. Wow. And you get to talk, maybe, do you ever ask them about their family home and they have kids at home? Mostly? Oh yeah. That's all, all yeah. I try to talk about. Yep. It's just, what part of China are you from? Oh, mm -hmm. really? Have you ever been to Shaman where I live, you know, and so beautiful and oh, I bet your city's so beautiful and you have a son or you have a daughter yep. and just really, yep. you know, praise them for whatever their life is exactly. and just help them get in touch with those emotions that they probably have just so pushed down. Yeah. And, and having another human being acknowledge that they're a mother, um, that they have a family and that they're still yeah, that still speck of, of hope to go back, hopefully. Wow. Yeah, and and they're so kind to me. Yeah. So many times they'll run and get a, you know, a bottle of water for me mm -hmm. or just to try to give me something because they're so appreciative of me going in. And so it just, it makes me know that there's a need there and that I really feel that I was prepared for that specific thing by learning Chinese. I just... Yeah. never anticipated <laughs> that's it, it's very touching that's that's an unbelievable blessing i mean something you never even anticipated in the no um, yeah 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 so uh, what I, one thing i was going to mention is mm. that you know there's a lot of statistics about uh trafficked people having some type of interaction with a healthcare provider and in reality i think that the asians probably have their own physician that's being paid to take care of the women. I think that the prim primarily it's the triads out of Hong Kong and the mafia out of China that are bringing women here and that they have somebody on their payroll that's, you know, taking care of their STIs or abortions or whatever the health needs are. And unless they're beaten within an inch of their life, they don't end up in the healthcare system. Um, I'm fortunate that I have a daughter who's also been trained in human trafficking. And so she's been able to train her healthcare system and has actually picked up on quite a few victims of trafficking when they were there with just horrific conditions of broken bones and, yeah. you know, some really major, but it has allowed them to, to actually come into contact with the healthcare system and one that's prepared yeah. for them. 
So I find that interesting. And then just one sidebar, um, because Houston shares over 2000 kilometers of border with Mexico. The cartels also have a big presence in Houston mm -hmm. of cantinas. And my understanding is I haven't been in those because even though I speak Spanish, having grown up here in Houston, um, that basically as you go in, you pay to um, have a drink with a lady and then there's some place on the premises or maybe a house next door where you go and, you know, get what yeah. you paid for. That's right. So That's right. There's the three main groups really in Houston. So there's the Asian brothels, which we're talking about, but there's also the Mexican cantinas. And then there's the street, which is primarily young black women mm -hmm. that could be 16 on up. Yeah. And there's one main street um, or the blade as it's called here. Mm -hmm. And the women just walk up and down yeah. all night yeah. in what looks like spandex underwear and a, I don't know what top you would even call it, but yeah. no matter the, you know, the conditions, rain, shine, wow. sun, whatever. So those are the three main groups here. Mm -hmm. And then you have a lot of people coming up from other countries um, that are being trafficked. And we can talk about the men for just a moment. Sure. Uh, because because of the to. clinics where I worked, um, are for uninsured and underinsured, I've had a lot of opportunities to meet men that are primarily working in the lawn services, um, construction. And so I actually find that they are a, they come more often than the women do because they're not like under that watchful eye mm -hmm. where they have to constantly be performing. And so I've had, you know, opportunities to talk to them, but, you know, they're here earning a living. And so it's a whole different scenario um, of, you know, they're not going to go back to their home country because they're here, you know, they are earning some money, however much it is. Whereas uh, along the border, I think there are more young men being trafficked to ranches and, you know, probably fruit picking and more manual labor or agricultural labor mm -hmm. that are being taken advantage of. But being in an urban sure. city, I don't see that as much, but I know it's there. Yeah, of course. Wow. And so do you have any idea about the mix? Because when you say the 300 brothels, you know, estimated, and so those are basically the Asian, those are split between the Asian and the Mexican cantinas. Or would you also say so, that there's some there's some of them that are also mixed or some of the um, other uh, American teens in there too? So or no? it's very territorial. Okay, yeah, um, no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. And the cantinas are the Mexican cartel. And those two, you know, are not yeah. anywhere located close to each other. Right. And then the younger women that are more domestic trafficking mm -hmm. and prostitution are um, either in the strip clubs where they're okay. doing dancing and then on the side or forced okay. to do whatever yeah. and on the streets. So it's very distinct in terms of education background, if that's a good word, mm -hmm. um, in terms of how they grew up. I had a patient that you know, her mother, her, her grandmother was a crack addict. Her mother was a meth addict. And there was no 
man in the home other than the men that came through routinely. And Mm -hmm. she was part of the payment, you know, from a young age. And so when I met her, she's working the street in Houston. And so it's just that whole thing about choice. Do they have a choice? Right. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, there's, there's somehow, you know, that agency of and choice, like, yeah, it's a choice, but really, you know, no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the way it is the world over really for the majority of women in this situation. I mean, it's, it's just no choice. I mean, not technically traffic, but then again, yeah, not really. They're just enslaved by a lot of psychological and, and historical slavery. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, One compelling statistic that I read about Houston is uh, approximately 2,900 men buy sex in Houston daily daily, which is over a million in a year. Right. I mean, that's mind boggling. And what's the, the, what's the population of Houston then? If we're talking about, you know, this many customers and this many brothels, how many? Now you're asking me a statistic that's not in my head. Okay. Well, (laughs) I I mean, it's a couple, it's, it's a couple million at least for sure. Oh yeah. Of course. Okay. Oh, well, maybe I'll look it up. Yeah. Maybe not. Anyway. Well, it's not a small city. It's not a small city. People have heard of it. So it's a big urban city. And uh, the majority of the sex is bought between the hours of 12 noon and one o'clock. So men going on their lunch hour. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And back to your question. Yes, it's illegal. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I mean, yes. I mean, this, I mean, I, that was a, yeah, that's a rhetorical question because I know it's illegal, but it's just it's kind of like, you know, in Thailand where it's also illegal, but it's just it's just yeah. out of this world. Sounds a lot like Bangkok, actually. Um, yeah. And even China, it was crazy when our building we had um, in China, they used to be set up as barbershops. Yeah. With the pink light. And we would sure. always call them a, a scissorless that's barbershop. Right. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. um, you know, we had friends on the that were policemen and one day we're walking past one together. And I'm like, isn't that illegal? And she goes, oh, it's not really clear. It's not, you know, you can't. I don't think so. And I'm like, okay. Probably not, but that's not my beat. That's not my jurisdiction. No. Yeah. So. And, and that, to me, one, one thing I wanted to add about that is, you know, there's a large population of Chinese in Houston. And I've tried to engage the Chinese churches here to go with me and to reach out to Asian women. And it's an entirely different dynamic. I think because I'm white, that it's not that same shame-based Chinese on Chinese because the people I have taken with me, the women I've taken with me that are Chinese from other churches into the brothels, like 10 minutes later, they'll tell me, oh, there's no trafficking going on here. And I'm like, what? And they're like, oh, yeah, they can leave if they want to. And I'm like, okay, I just, you know, there's no, it's not their problem is the bottom line. Yeah, it's not their problem. Or they just don't want to admit that it's part of their culture, that they're feeling shame because of the shared, because these are Chinese women and they're Chinese and they just would rather have their head in the sand about what's going on. Like they just don't want any responsibility for it. Um, Something like that. I mean, I we know. both have lived in China, so we get this shame culture. I'm just trying to right. kind of explain it for people who may 
may not understand that as well that yeah yeah the shame honor system i i really it's baffling to me still because i have gone to leadership conferences where it's all chinese churches and had opportunities to meet individually different pastors and talk to them individually and you know they're going to mexico for for example or they're going right. to you know africa or something and i'm just like oh i mean they do not recognize the problem in houston which is where they are no and they don't want to maybe there's no traction yeah they yeah. don't want to it's it's too close to home something maybe there's yeah. some people in the church going participating in this activity maybe they own some of the buildings yeah you know i think one of the the targets has to be who is the owner of the building where these places mm -hmm. are and that's been one way that some people have you know focused on that and just reached out and said hey look you know you're renting the space and this is what's going on there and you know some will just of course feign ignorance some will be, you know, legitimately concerned. And so, you know, maybe one or two will get closed down that way. But yeah, but it, it really sounds like what really is going to work the best is to not go through what, you know, Americans would say, yeah, do the police raids or whatever, because these are the American police coming from the outside. But for the real change, it does have to be through this Chinese community, because that's, that's, that's where the the more profound the the grassroots change is going to come from is going to come from within the community really because of the owners yeah. the clients the yeah that's yeah and it's have not to chinese men going into the asian brothels it's primarily white or african-american um okay. we reach out to the men the consumers a lot as well as part of our outreach um if we encounter a man in the parking lot we might just try we know that men have that one track mind z mm -hmm. zone focused and just try to break that by saying yep. hey you know th that could be your mother your sister yep. just trying to break that um or if they're inside you know, just trying yeah. to get them to like, hey, wake up out of your stupor. Yeah. Does your um, mama know like, where you are? <laughs> right. Exactly. And I this is like, wait, yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, your mom didn't raise you to be like this, did she? I bet she's praying for you right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, yes. You know, we were so effective. One guy um, actually left and like, tw 20 or 30 minutes later, we were going down to the next brothel and he's coming out of that one. I'm like, oh, well, that was effective. We just <laughs> sent him somewhere else, you know, so you try. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, oh, one other thing I wanted to, you made me think of was um, the raids. So yeah. I used to get called every now and then to translate uh, for some of the women coming out. And last year they called me and I was talking to this lady and she was 65 which is very unusual. And so it turns out her story, her husband sold her to pay his gambling debt. Hmm. And somehow from China, she's, you know, shipped to America and is in this brothel and beaten to hell. And this happened to be a raid day. And she was, you know, one of the people they brought out. And I mean, she was so traumatized, just hmm. so traumatized. And I was trying to work with her to get her into a shelter, but most of the Asian shelters are in California where they have, you know, all the resources. 
And she was so afraid. She's like, no, I'm not leaving. I'm not getting on a plane. I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying here and, you know, I'm going to, you know, whatever. I mean, there are resources here, but not as extensive, I guess, as in California. And so she was so petrified. Um, It was, oh my gosh, it was heartbreaking. I can't even imagine. So do you, do you happen to know, I mean, other than these few times, what generally happens when they do a raid, what happens to the women? Do you have any idea? No, but that's such a good question Uh, because I know that they're trained, that they don't arrest the women like used to happen years Mm -hmm. back, that they recognize their victims. Um, But I don't know. I think that you think about used used to, uh, Houston used to have a, Chinese embassy here. And I'm like, how do we have a Chinese embassy in Houston? (laughs) And yet we've got this huge Asian trafficking issue, you know? So I I don't Mm -hmm. think the embassy was a part of the solution by any stretch. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't sound like it. (laughs) So what happened to them? Part of the problem maybe. Oh yeah. Yeah. Or thanks to the last administration, we're no longer on good terms and they burned all the papers at the embassy and, and were evicted. So, yeah, you know, politics. Yeah, politics, politics. Yeah. Wow. That this has been great. So it sounds like there's some do you want to there's some huge challenges. Um, any 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 other blessings or or. Uh, anything else you want to share? We've, you shared about some challenges. You shared the blessing of you actually having spent 15 years in China and with your health uh, professional background and being able to integrate that where you work and then on your, um, in your work, any, anything else or anything else you want to share about maybe something for the future? What are you dreaming for the future for this situation? That's a good question because I'll probably retire in a couple of years and I won't have access to people just, you know, coming into my clinic where I have opportunity to reach out. Um, so what's next? I think I'm so busy trying to survive every day with the American C18 patients, you know, that are so complicated. Um, I don't know. I, I see myself volunteering in some capacity. Um, mm-hmm. I have the heart for Asians. I love, you know, all things Asian, especially having an adopted daughter from China. So I don't know. That's a good open-ended question. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I, well, I'm sure we'll be in touch and I'm sure I'll find out sooner or later as, as, um, we'll be staying in touch for sure. Anything else in general that you'd like to add that maybe I didn't ask or something that, um, you want to share? Yeah. I think additional blessings is I've had so many patients over the years tell me, how appreciative they were that I asked the question, uh, you know, are they okay? Has this happened? And just asking the question, uh, I read an article where, you know, a lot of childhood sexual abuse occurs. They grow up to be obese. And so I've had a lot of patients that are obese and I've just asked, you know, may I ask you the question, were you abused as a child? And that just you know opens the door, and so I've had so many opportunities to just may, say, "May I ask you?" Mm-hmm. and have so many people come back to me and tell me how appreciative they were that no, or they'll say, "No one's ever asked me that question." Yeah. So so many people have just been overlooked in that regard, and 
Right. The blessing has just been giving him a chance to be heard and seen, I think. Exactly. And the blessing is just to have the health professional have the courage and take the time to see the human that's in front of them and to ask the question. Ask that question is not so hard. It may seem awkward. It may seem intrusive, but you're a doctor. People expect hard questions from the doctor. Um, and they want you to, I mean, what I know is that we get to, we have this opportunity and if you don't ask, no one else will. And we have that responsibility, but it's also expected that the patients don't want to bring this up because of the shame. But when we, we have the privilege of being in a position to ask these questions like this, and then the barriers down. I mean, not all the time, but a lot of the times for those people that need to hear. And if it doesn't come down, you, no harm, no foul. But for those right. that need to hear that, that, that question of, like, how are you as a human? And, yeah, it's powerful. Absolutely. It's powerful. It is. And I think one just – I know our time is probably nah. open for questions soon, but there's some very creative things being done in Houston also that I'd like to mention. Uh, when we do outreach, we carry lipsticks that have a barcode on them, but the number is actually the national hotline for human trafficking. And so we try to give those out specifically to the women and let them know what that number is. And so that's a very innocuous way to get information out. Uh, my daughter's hospital, what they've started doing is on the discharge papers, if someone wasn't ready in the hospital, on the discharge papers, they have a barcode and it has the phone number for the national hotline. And I think that's brilliant yeah. because everybody knows, you know, barcodes you don't pay any attention to, but to come up with creative ways of reaching out and getting resources into the hands of the people that need it. There are also some organizations here that have created posters with the pull tabs um, that are in all the hospital restrooms. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And of course, in the states, we're now, or I'm sure that all the states are probably similar, but Texas is requiring at least three hours of human trafficking training. Yeah, so well, not too many states yet. Not too many. Okay, so no, that's. Yeah, you know, not too many. I think it's a handful, less than 10, it's I think. It's progressive, but yes. I think I. I would be remiss if I also don't mention the part that pornography plays yeah, 100%. in human trafficking. And I know that that's a talk for another time, but just like healthcare, when I look, see diabetics, I think about the obesity that came first. Mm -hmm. I started thinking about human trafficking. I'm like, what's driving this? And pornography is a huge thing driving the need, the demand. And so just backing up and yep. seeing what's behind this as well. Uh, why is there the demand? And yep. what can we yeah. do about that part? Yeah, well, yeah, totally messed up. And then that, that reminds me, actually, when you were talking about the obese, you know, asking your obese patients that question, because that's how the original ACE study, the Adverse Childhood Experiences study came about, was in an obesity clinic by really? internal medicine doctors. Yes. And that was, what, 20 almost 30 years ago or something. And then they started discovering the adverse childhood experiences and they've come up with the ACE questionnaire from asking uh, the patients in their, o in their obesity clinic about childhood trauma. And so- Fascinating, I yeah. realize that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's, that's how that came. And then, so there's child abuse, neglect, um, in car anyway, I don't 
want to go down the whole list, but there's about aces. 10 things. Yeah. The aces. Yeah. So I did another, I did another talk on that another day. This has been absolutely fascinating, uh, to talk with you. Um, I've learned, certainly learned a lot and I'm sure, I'm sure the, um, our uh, participants and the other people watching this and listening to this on their podcast will, will, um, will learn a lot. And hopefully my hope is that they'll hear what's going on in Houston and not that they'll move to Houston and, and join you in your work, but then they'll start having their eyes open about what's going on in their own city. What's going on? What, what gifts, what do you have to offer the women or the men or the boys or the trans in the in where you live because it's going on for sure. And so just open your eyes and start asking, what can I do about this? And how can I you your health professional? And so if you're a health professional, you can get involved in clinics and start asking these questions. But if you're not, maybe you're a teacher, maybe you're, you know, wh- whatever you have, you can start tutoring, lots of stuff to do um, to get involved to, uh, you know, reach out, share dignity, humanity uh, with the people who are victims of human trafficking, or at least get involved in prevention. Like, <laughs> at least, absolutely, at least. Yes, I've seen. I mean, small towns and big cities—they all have Asian brothels. I mean, yeah. throughout Texas, the places I've traveled to, unbelievable. Especially near army bases. Yeah. Um, I mean, really anywhere. So yeah. th- I know that Texas is not unique. No, it's everywhere, people. Wake up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, if we have time, we could talk about the recruitment because we really haven't even touched on the recruitment of, in terms of the domestic trafficking, what's well, happening with recruitment. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's just you and I, um, hey, why don't, it's just you and I right now. We could do that. Um, right. Are you talking about the Asian, the, the recruitment of the Asians or just the, of the domestic Okay. I tell you what, we've been going on a few minutes. I think I should have you on again and we'll talk about pornography. We'll talk about domestic trafficking. We'll have another good conversation, but I'll let you go and uh, we'll just save this for another time. Uh, I think that would be delightful, uh, sadly delightful. (laughs) Yeah. Well, hey, you yeah. know, it's happening. We need more people to get excited. We're, we're excited about this, not in a good way, but we're excited about it because it's something that needs to be done. And so hopefully this will be, you know, I want to inspire you to, you know, if you're watching this, if you're listening to this, get in touch with me. Uh, if you have specific questions for Jennifer, then I can get you, I can put you in touch yeah. with her. And uh, yeah, let's all work together to stop this. And yeah, let's do it. How about that? Great, Catherine. Hey, it was a blessing. It was a, it was the pleasure was all mine. And so uh, I'll let you go. Have a great Saturday. And uh, we'll see uh, the rest of you back on the next time the doctor is in. Bye. <laughs>